Claire Sparrow, a second-generation Pilates teacher, owner and director of Chapel Allerton Pilates and the founder of Whole Body Pelvic Health. I'm Sophie Rugg, a long-standing client of Claire's and user researcher by day. Welcome to Reimagining You, the Pilates Way. In today's episode, we're chatting about how, as we get older, many women consign themselves to sitting on the sidelines, whether that be in sport, on holiday, or even in the bedroom. We talk about how we as women can avoid this happening and also how we can help ourselves to move back into the centre of the action. So let's talk about how Pilates can help us move from the sidelines. So summer's here, lighter and longer days, and for many of us, that means we're out and about a lot more. Um, lots of things to look forward to, days out, holidays, and there's something about the summer, isn't there, that, isn't there, that makes us feel like we could be a bit more active. And we're oh, recording sure. in Leeds today, and it's really, really warm, isn't it? <laughs> it's so warm. Oh my goodness. I feel like the the optimism of summer is in the air and it makes you want to get out we have the windows open and I was writing about this the other day for a newsletter about what what can we bring into our everyday lives that gives us that feeling of summer holidays mm. and and the things that bring us joy about the summer maybe extending it a little bit further yeah definitely and it, it there is a real optimism to summer isn't there the days are longer, there's more you can fit in. You feel like you can do more because yeah. the days are longer, that's the thing. And the sunlight gives you more energy anyway. So it's a, yeah, it's a great yeah. thing. Yeah, but I am going to start this episode with my own confession. Over the last few years, I have definitely noticed a bit of shift in my mindset as if there's part of my brain which tells me what I should and shouldn't be doing at my age and I think it's also that thing of like oh should I be wearing that at my age or should I be <laughs> yeah not I don't know whether it's um maybe come from some of the women I grew up with about what's appropriate for you at that age and what isn't you know not 21 anymore oh my god and for me that's really been compounded by ankle pain for a few years now just not feeling as agile as I once was or maybe mm. I'm just noticing it more what do you reckon that is so interesting I think that's a, a, a big thing for a, a lot of people, a lot of women, where, because I remember, like you were saying, you know, about women in your family and things that mm. you hear, I remember the women in my life saying those things, like, you know, is this appropriate? You know, mm. go shopping with mum, and mum would say, is this appropriate? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I can't believe that we're at that point where we're actually asking ourselves those questions. Yeah. And I wonder, like, can we not just be beyond that? Could we just be beyond the idea of there being an age limit or a life limit to mm. what we wear or do or think or whatever it might be? Because the question could be shifted to something else. Like, does it bring you joy to wear that thing? Yeah. To do that activity, to spend time with that person, to read that book? You know, what... Does it bring you joy? Because why would age be a limiting yeah, factor? Yeah. But it is that feeling of disquiet, isn't it? Of people, oh, what what do people think? Do they think oh, that yes. I think I'm, you know, 10 years younger than I am? And, you know, sometimes I feel like it might be inevitable that we start to move to the sidelines as we get yeah. older, almost to make way for younger folk. And I always, I was joking with someone the other day, of like, oh, I think I'm, I think about 32 until I see a 32 year old oh my gosh <laughs> it's so true I think I I think there's space for everybody don't you I there should be there yeah should there be should space be space for everybody but it's interesting the idea of of people making space because I think that's actually important too that we do make space for everyone yeah. in both directions but my internal age is 22 what's yours Oh, 32. I'm 10 years older than you in that then, yeah. Oh my gosh, why would you be 32? I don't know, I quite liked it. I think I was, 
I was 32, it was before I'd had children, um, I had taken up running, I was in really good shape, I was quite happy at work, had a good, felt like I had a good work-life balance, yeah, don't know, I might be rewriting history, probably <laughs> out. <laughs> it's lovely how we have those rose-tinted glasses yeah. over certain times, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, I think that I see a lot, in lots of different ways women stepping back and and moving moving away from doing what they might have done before or being reserved like I see a lot of fear certainly with pelvic health there's a lot of fear about physical activities Mm. that might make symptoms worse or cause more issues for somebody and that so I know for sure that fear does influences making decisions Mm. to do things and I also think I don't know what you think about this but I think as a mum I definitely have more fear about doing things that I might have just not even thought about before because of you know what if I get injured and then can't look after the children or what if those those what if things like I have fear about you know, Scott and I being away together, away from the children yeah. and things like that. I think that though that then I go, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that thing. Yeah. Because of that fear, and I know that fear is a big driver in life for lots of decisions. Definitely. It holds us back making, you know, that big uh, applying for that big job. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Oh well, there's somebody more qualified for me, and I don't. You know, the fear yeah. of going through that whole process and and that sort of thing. Yeah. No, and I think there is something in it, particularly when you have children. There is a shift, isn't there? You like oh, yeah. suddenly. Oh. Yeah. I'm not the priority. Aha. Uh-huh. Anymore. So I'll tell you the story about that. Actually, I had um, with my. Eldest, I had gestational diabetes. Oh, yeah. So it was all about, you know, before I like, had to check my blood. I think it was three, three or four times a day. Regular appointments, regular scans, all of this. But when he was born, it was all about him. Hello, I remember saying, oh, well, have I still got that, you know, diabetes anymore? Or, and it was kind of like, oh, well, you know. Probably not, you find. And, and, you know, I'm joking a little bit because you do get tested some sometime afterwards. But I remember it being this like, big deal. And suddenly it was like, no, you've got you, you know, your baby's there now. It's about you, your baby. And I'd spent, oh, it was quite stressful, maybe like three months, three or four months, like really watching my blood sugars. It's my... really stressful because yeah. you're monitoring everything all the time and your your brain is kind of full of yeah. of that. Yeah. Oh my god. And suddenly it's like, no, not no, you. This it's is not about you anymore. We'll test you in like, you know, however many weeks' time, but it's probably fine, it's gone away now. And that's an interesting transition for most of us, whether you've had diabetes in pregnancy or not, that you go from it being, you know, about you and the glorious yeah, mum, yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah. glowing and all of yeah. the things, and then all of a sudden, nobody's looking at you, they're looking at the baby, yeah. and the attention goes... And in some there. ways, you're quite glad they're not looking at you. Oh, yeah, you forgot the <laughs> sake. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely true. So when we were talking about doing this episode, you told me about a female friend of yours or acquaintance I'm not sure which and I think you've gone away with a group of friends and there was this friend that didn't take part very much and literally just sat on the sidelines can you can you tell us about that I mean gosh it it, it's one of many stories actually where I'm I'm a gung-ho mum to the point where I'm actually embarrassing the children because as you can imagine because I I get involved whatever they're doing I'm doing it when they were little and we went to soft play. I was rolling through those giant rollers and doing all the things, climbing, sliding, doing that, doing all of that. When we went to the park, I was doing the monkey bars. We were, were you? Can you course. do something? <laughs> Can you do the monkey bars? I haven't done them for ages, so but don't could you? know. Yeah, yeah, of course. I love it. Of yeah. course, of, of course. course. So, so sorry, I just need to go into this. So. Is that a like? Do you think that's because of Pilates? The monkey bars are really hard. Are they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's move on. Go back to okay. the story. You know the the monkey bar 
pairs are a, a co they involve a lot of coordination and flexibility, but our brain thinks it's a strength thing. Oh. So if you understand that you have to have the range of movement more than you need just brute strength, then you can negotiate it. It's oh, not it's not so hard. Yeah, so I'm that mum that is doing all and I'm quite competitive, I think that's fair to really? say. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, you're so the best. <laughs> always. So we we really get stuck in to everything oh. together. So I it and I, I I suppose I just hadn't ever really thought about not being that way. Yeah. yeah. So we were away with families and you know a bunch of people and it was a great place. There was a big swimming pool. I thought fantastic. We're all going to go swimming, and I, I was surprised to be the only mum in the pool with the the kids and the ah. dads because. There were, you know, other mums, one in particular, who just absolutely outright wouldn't get in yeah. the pool. And it really, it, it, it surprised me because the decision was to not come in, be, be active and involved mm -hmm. with the kids and get stuck in with what they were doing because of a body image, mm. because of having to get into a bathing yeah. suit. Yeah. And it really stuck with me because uh, I didn't have that filter in my mind of of thinking about putting the bathing suit on yeah. because I was just thinking about, great, we're going to get in the pool and do this and we've yeah. got toys to play with the balls and all that stuff, that it hadn't occurred to me. And I really appreciated in that moment how huge that is for a lot of women to put a bathing suit on. I don't think that's an unusual story. I genuinely yeah. don't. And um, I found an article actually when I was prepping for this episode online called Why Mums Should Stop Sitting on the Sidelines and, oh, get, wow. in, and get in the Pool. And the author oh, of the yes. article, really similar to you, had observed a group of mums and kids and was pondering like, why do those mums never get in the mm. pool, but they sit sort of hovering at the side? Mm. And it concludes exactly the way that you have, that it's not the water that they're afraid of, it's the swimsuit. And oh, yes. So many women have been there, and I think um, it's around that, will the other mums judge me? Yeah. Because I look so bad in a swimming costume. It goes back to what you will... were saying before, that, you know, the... the worrying about what people think yeah. of you in a swimsuit. And also, I think, did the women in your family do that? Or mm. were they sat mm. on the sidelines mm. at your at your age? And then I think there must be messages passed down as to sure. what's appropriate, what isn't, and, and that it's okay if you, you can mm. do that. So <laughs> that's I, funny because it thinks, it, it reminds me of a, a story with my, with my granny. Because actually... Um, I don't like the water at all. Oh, I'm quite fearful. Right. And so one of my other motivations in that situation with the swimming yeah. is that I'm I'm really working hard not to pass my fear on to oh. the kids. So I just pretend it's fine and 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 get in. I can barely swim. I know it's shocking. I know right. I like barely sure. swim. But it was my granny who taught me how to swim, and she couldn't swim, but she had the patience of a saint. So she took me every week and just taught me and built up my confidence, and she got our costume on without any qualms whatsoever yeah. at all of her ages of life. Yeah. So it's interesting what you were saying about growing up. Yeah. What are you growing up with? Same yeah. with my mum. Just, just get it on and go on with it. When um, I know when my mum was at school, and she'll be like, She'll be 80 next year. Oh, you just doubted her. I know. <laughs> no, she's proud. Um, she should be. She's amazing. Girls didn't learn to swim at school. <gasps> they didn't learn. They stayed at school while the boys learned to swim. What? Yeah, this is this was really common. Yeah. Oh, my word. They stayed at school. That'll be why my granny couldn't swim. Yeah, then. of course, and probably did sewing or, you know, or some appropriate activity. Oh, Lord. Yeah, and so... <laughs> As an adult, she couldn't swim. And when she must have been probably a bit younger than I am now, she went for secret swimming lessons. Secret swimming lessons? Yeah, oh, because we were going amazing. on holiday 
and she went with a group. It was like a women's. Yes. And she came on holiday, and I can remember it, and she put on her swimming costume, and we were like, oh, she's going to the pool. And she, she, she still doesn't like the deep end. No, I don't like the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but she'll go in, but that's wow. been a... That was a big thing to sort of overcome that, that fear, that's because huge. if you think 40-odd years... She never swam because it wasn't for girls. Oh my gosh, she is amazing. That is something to be really proud she of. Won't be on what her own an though. example! It's a whole generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. But what an example yeah. to show to you that you at any age you can learn to do something new. You yeah. can get over a fear of something. You can, you can change that bias that that was. Oh wow! Yeah, that's blown my mind. It's only just come back to me now. Actually, I love that. but I really do think that body image and kind of perception of self mm-hmm. really impacts on how we participate in activities. It truly, truly does. And I know I see it at, at the studio, and we get inquiries before people come. Sometimes they inquire about sort of around the houses inquiring mm. about if it's appropriate for them because maybe they're a, a bigger but in a bigger body yeah or is it uh, age appropriate because they're over whatever age they think it yeah. might not be yeah. appropriate or um we you know men wonder if it's only for women yeah it's really really fascinating the the what what's out there in the world that makes us believe that that Pilates, for example, has some sort of limitation to it? Where actually the the um, origins of it are the reverse of that. Yeah, you know, I was explaining to a group of osteopaths yesterday that Joseph Pilates actually was constantly adapting and creating the movements and the apparatus that he you know he invented he was inventing more all the time in order to make it more accessible to help more to solve the problems that people had so it was really truly designed to be limitless you know it was available for for everybody but this still is that feeling of, of of disquiet and i think i did it the other day to you there's a class at the studio coming up that will be oh yes i don't know the instructor i don't know um really it's a new it's a different class um it's a little bit longer and i know the studio i've been to million classes there and i still said to you was would that class be right for me knowing already when I sent it I knew what you were going to say really (laughs) but I still I've still I got I haven't booked it yet but I've still and I know I should yeah but it's still that thing of who will be there um will they all be a lot older will they all be a lot younger than me will there be things that I'm asked to do that I can't do um, is two hours too long? Mm. And even as someone that's done Pilates for ages, I still have all of those questions. And you'd have questions like that going to anything for the first time, wouldn't you? Something yeah. new. And I think it goes back to what we were saying before. I My list of questions is massive now compared to 22-year-old Claire, who just went, yes. <laughs> Okay, oh, yeah. whatever. You just yeah. fling yourself into it. Have a go. Because you're not aware of all the consequences. Yeah. You're not thinking as much yeah. about... Certainly, I would... You know, myself then, I don't know if a 22-year-old today, because of social media and Instagram yeah. and selfies, might have feel more of the pressures that we feel now because it's a different time. There was no selfies. No. Or, you know, we were using one of those Film. cameras with... The, with it, push the, the oh a polaroid yeah polaroid camera you know, i looked look, my polaroid look for one camera. of those the other day i don't think they sell them anymore well, you can still get one can you yes they're brilliant oh. i love a polaroid do you know it's interesting <laughs> you should say that because i i moved to leeds at 23 oh okay just pick, packed up my car good job here packed in my car <laughs> my fiesta that used to whistle oh brilliant came up the motorway like you do i was renting couldn't remember where it was no sat nav in those days i had my eight as a drove around for about an hour till i found where i was staying but just thought oh, i'll give it a go okay so you're right like Correct. so in my early 20s i 
there was there wasn't anything. I felt like there wasn't really anything to lose. No, if it's no good, I'd go somewhere else. All the, we did the same thing. So you probably don't know this, but we, we so I graduated on the twenty seventh of no twenty sixth of July, two thousand and one, and got married in Scotland. So I was in Leeds on the 26th and then on the 27th got married in Scotland. Oh my goodness. Because our head of department uh, didn't believe that the dates would be a problem but then they were. So anyway we're (laughs) away up in Scotland on the 27th and then I got the chance of two and a half hours of work in Leeds I know what's coming. At the college. You pop back. Starting in the September. Okay. So Scott and I, newlyweds, I left him in Scotland, staying with my parents, and I lodged in Leeds oh. based on two and a half hours of uh, work at teaching, teaching dance and movement. Uh, and then I ended up in the college by Christmas as head of the uh, dance department. I don't doubt And do my teaching degree starting in the January and we moved lock stock to Leeds. Um, uh, yeah. So the, the bottom the line is, isn't it, in, in our early 20s, no we just, no fear, we're willing to take more chances. Might be right, might not, it's fine, we'll just move on. It didn't even occur not. to me to do anything. There was no questions, no, no fear, no, no nothing. pros and cons. No pros and cons left. Definitely. <laughs> so I just want to think about now Pilates, obviously. Mm. How do you think Pilates might help with some of those blockers that we seem to put in place? And that's not to say that people don't do it in their 20s because I'm absolutely sure that they do. Mm. How do you think it, it helps us with, for example, body image or that might not be for me or, you know, I'm too fat, I'm too thin. My body's really stiff. That's another one, isn't it? I can't, oh, I can't, yeah. I can't, I'm not flexible enough to do Pilates. Correct. So we have, so other things that come up are, are exactly that, that I'm not flexible enough to do Pilates. Yes. And the questions are, do you have to be flexible to do Pilates? Yes. And then we have people who often they say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to solve my back pain before I come. Yes. <laughs> We're yeah. like, well, actually, the Pilates is going to help you to solve that back pain. Yeah. Um, we, because we teach you about your body, we're not just teaching exercise. So I, uh, there are certain uh, words that I think, uh, I think that word is part of the problem, mm. that we associate exercise in a certain way. Yeah. Like when I think about exercise, I'm thinking about a big gym and lots of sweaty people and yeah. lots of shiny lycra yeah. and everybody just fabulous and yeah. working out hard. Whereas movement is what we're teaching. So we're teaching you how to move through the modality of Pilates. So what we're doing is teaching you about your body. We're helping you to feel in your body and feel how powerful it is from the inside out and less about what it looks like. We have very few mirrors in our studio. Oh, true. And we have a lot of people who comment and they say, I love that there's no mirrors in here. Yes. Because it can be distracting and off-putting because you're thinking about how you look versus how your body feels as it's moving. There's things I wouldn't do if there was a mirror. Oh, of course. Rolling like a ball, short spine, long spine. (laughs) So these are movements where your bum goes in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Because I can't see myself, it's fine. And that's the thing, I think that we've created an environment in the way, in in the actual space and how we set it up and the way that we teach. So we're using empowering language. So it's really important to me that we, we... say what we do want rather than pointing out faults to people um and we so we really really curate our language around that yeah no I can definitely I can definitely see that and what's interesting is that I think you get to know what you can do Mm. and sometimes well quite a lot you surprise yourself oh yes as to so when I used to dance when I was younger, I wasn't very flexible. I was I wasn't the non-flexible one in the class. I couldn't do some of the things that I'm thinking maybe like gymnastics class where, you know, kids could just um, do that thing where they do a backflip and climb oh, down the yes. wall. 
no chance. I had no. But when I come to the class, I feel free and flexible, and and that's part of because the the apparatus gives you the support, and you you're dancing with it. You're you're forming that relationship with the apparatus, which helps facilitate you finding things, and you do surprise your body all yeah. the time, yeah. all the time, because it's amazing what it it can do, and that's the. I think that's the, the the bit that's so important to me that there's so much that you can do let's focus and you on get that. to know your body as well don't you, you get yeah. to know and and you're right about particularly with the reformer and some of the you know the the, the equipment you can it, it enables you to do things mm. that you thought wasn't possible before. absolutely so you i come away from pilates and most people will won't they yeah. standing taller yeah Makes me stand up tall just thinking about it. Standing taller yeah. and feeling freer. Absolutely. And so some of the, when you, if you go into the class, for example, you're a little bit hunched over and you feel a bit like, oh, I had a really bad day or, and because you come out with that. Correct. You opened out and. And when you're, uh, when your posture, when your body is more open, you feel more open. You feel more free. You can think clearer. You just feel better. We had one lady at the end of class just the other day, and she said, "Oh, I feel like I've had a full body massage yeah. because she, it just gets to all the nooks and crannies that y- you want to get to, that, or that you don't know you want to get to yeah. till, till you stand up and go, wow, I feel this. You don't know what you need till you get there. Sometimes, absolutely, and do something and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I recognise that bit." Yeah. on the sidelines or not getting involved as mm. much as you might do I think embarrassment does come in there too oh, and yes. I was thinking about a few years ago I used to run on a, a running track in athletics group with a group of women and uh, we weren't professionals or anything like that but we used to enjoy it it was quite hard going actually and I can remember one evening somebody new came a new woman a new um woman and she was an amazing runner she was really wow. good she'd run before um having kids she was in great shape she was really fast but it wasn't that long since she'd had her first baby or it might have been like say not long it might have been like a year or something like that so that's not long she'd come back to it and i can remember at one point we regrouped and suddenly looking and noticing that her running leggings were absolutely soaked. Yeah. And I remember I kept looking. I didn't have kids. I didn't know much about pelvic health or anything like that. But I'm thinking, oh, no, like, poor woman. Yeah. I wonder if she knows that's happened. She didn't come back to the track. Oh, no, that's so sad. The week after, obviously, I don't know the full story. But my guess is she had bailed out because of her pelvic fall because it was quite obvious. And at the time, I think I probably thought, oh, well, that's probably it when you have kids, isn't it? Nothing, you know, that's your lot. And it may happen, it may not. And there's there's not very much you can do about it. Have you seen that in women Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Embarrassment and shame and and the fear again. But it is not unusual for that to be the case. So with the, you know... If you were running before, and maybe even ran during pregnancy, yeah. like you did a bit, so you, if you don't know, then you could just make the assumption that you can just carry on as you were before. Yeah. If you haven't done anything to support your pelvic health, then you might cause some strain. So, for example, it, she could have still been breastfeeding. Yeah. And if you're still breastfeeding... Sure you've still got the relaxing in your body. Okay. So you are looser and more lax anyway. Yeah. So your ability to control the impact. So when your foot lands and your body needs to respond by lifting up so the, the wee doesn't come out, yeah. then it might not be able to do that because of the relaxing. Plus, if she'd had a birth injury and... This is really, it's just, it is so common. You know, I know running groups where it's just, you know, accepted. You just put a pad in and yeah, go. Yeah. And then there's others where people just won't do it because yeah. of that happening. It's embarrassing. Because, you know, no two ways saying. But also, it's something can be done about it. And that's the thing that, that you know, that's obviously what I'm on a mission mm. about in life and why I've written the book. Because people don't know that this could happen 
they don't know that because you didn't know that that could no, happen no. and then we think oh well if it happens that's it there's nothing that can be done uh, and then actually there is hope there is something that can be done if you you know learn about your yeah. pelvic floor and how it works as part of your entire body it's not working in isolation and a lot of the time um people that are quite athletic are hypertonic which we've talked a little bit about before remember what that is so it's where the muscles are are tight and short and they don't uh, have the flexibility yeah, yeah. so then they can't respond yeah. to the whatever the activity is the cough the sneeze the running step so they need to work on more flexibility of their pelvic floor and then it will be more responsive to running so it's important to say that it's not an inevitability, that something can be done and it's not a one size fits all. So the, the general standard that's given is do traditional pelvic floor exercises, which are strengthening, which is based on the assumption that the muscles are weak in the first place. Mm-hmm. If there was anywhere else in your body that was not doing its job, you wouldn't just give a one-size-fits-all to that problem. Whereas in pelvic health, it's just the one-size-fits-all. That's it. Whatever the problem, it's strength that it needs. Yeah. And it's not the case. It needs dynamic flexibility. It does, Strength is part of it, but it's not the first. It's not the top of the, the, the list. It's actually the bottom of the list. So, you know, the, the, it's, I could go on and on because obviously it's my passion, but it is important that women know it's not inevitable. There is hope something can be done. So if I'm a woman listening, go, me, that's me, I love to run, <laughs> but I just, like, I can't do it, it's too awful. The pad doesn't even cut it, as an example. Oh, yeah, that's not unusual, by the way. So I'm sat on the sidelines, I'm not going to run again, you know, I'll, I'll wait, see if it just sort of sorts itself out naturally or it might be running it could be any exercise couldn't it what would you suggest that 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 woman does to help herself um you know move become that woman again and be follow a passion follow something that they enjoy not inhibit themselves by saying well you know now I've had kids it's almost like an exchange isn't it it is so many women say that well I've had kids now so I don't yeah and I'm not gonna moan because I have you know I've been really fortunate I've had my children doesn't matter how they get you know it's that isn't it no but I think it's really really prevalent and because I think there is a real narrative at the moment that we are lucky if we you know you've been very lucky to Mm -hmm. to have your children very fortunate you know don't moan this yeah. is what comes with it well you can you can ask for more for your health and it not be moaning you know i don't think it's necessary to 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 say that people i don't think that moaning or complaining is is what we need to do mm. i think we just need to ask for more for our health expect more for our health and know that more is possible because we're not only are we choosing to sit on the sidelines we're being helped there yes to a certain degree because if we use the example of pelvic health because in a lot of cases that so many women's stories so many of the women that I've worked with they, they've just been told things like, well, you've had your children, now that's what happens, yeah. or wear a pad when you go running, yeah. or just don't do running. Yeah. They said, well, that's what happens when you have a big baby, or when well, you're going through menopause, that's to be expected. But there's actually not the, the resolve other than, well, you could do these squeezing exercises. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of one size fits all again, which actually isn't helping. It's not empowering women with the tools to make a really dynamic change in their life. And, you know, that's my mission. You know, when my book comes out, read the book. The, I've got courses online. Everything is about getting women off the sidelines yeah. by educating yeah. you. Because we don't know what we don't know. I didn't know. 
I didn't know. No, because why I, would you? No. no. It's, the, it's again, it's perhaps a narrative that gets passed down, but it's also one that we might see now on social media or, you know, whatever our feed is telling us. I'm not going to say news feed because it isn't a news feed. Oh, dear. <laughs> Cringe. That's another episode, though, isn't it? It's funny because I think as kids get older and we think about being on the sidelines, it makes mm. me think about, like, being a football mum or, you know, standing on the sidelines at kids' um, football matches. And as they get older again, it be- I think it can become a lot less about our endeavours yes. as, as, as mums or dads or about them and their endeavours. And I think that often happens because we spend so much time oh, yeah. on the sidelines watching them. And my doing a regular Pilates mm. practice for me um, really helps me to do something that is just for me. Mm. And for me, it started postnatally where it wasn't... A, it was great because I could take... My youngest, as a baby, he used to sleep. He was brilliant. Um, But it was a session for me, and you were really clear about that. Oh, yes. Really clear. So what other tips do you have so that we as women aren't just relegated to the sidelines of life? Oh, so many things. I mean, it's going back to the swimming one, actually, I had forgotten this when we used to do um, have swimming lessons. And I remember going for, you know, the boys have their swimming lessons and there'd be lots and lots of mums just sort of watching, you know, on the phones while it was happening. And I just got my costume on and got in and did lengths. So I actually did my swimming while he was having his swimming lesson. So I was stacking that activity because in swim, there's nothing to see no. while they're in the water swimming. No. So you're just, they're doing their thing. Do they're yours. not distracted by me watching or anything. And just go do yours. And I think that there's a lot of things where it doesn't even occur to us. doesn't even cross our minds yeah. that while the kids are doing their yeah. thing, we could do ours. There's certain things now where our boys will say to me, Oh, I don't I don't really need you to watch this thing so you go and do whatever so I could drop them off and then go for a run yeah. so with cricket I used to get drop them off at cricket and I'd go trail running so is there ways that you can look at do I really need to do they need me to be yeah. here at all these things or um, is it going to benefit them seeing me doing something good for me and I was reading something yesterday I need to find it for you because it was talking about how um, the family is healthier when the mum is healthy oh for sure yeah and so if they are seeing you going for your run while they're playing so even if you were running for the first half of the football match and back for the second or whatever but looking at ways you can stack it, I think, is really, really important. And then looking for things you can do together. Yes. What can you enjoy together? Like a family bike ride, which yeah. is a great, simple, free thing that you can do. Swim together. Walk together. I often say with the, going back to uh, mums not running because of the fear of, of incontinence, um, start by walking And then you will reach a point where if you're walking enough and at pace, you're not Mm. strolling, Mm. you're walking with intention. Maybe not as extreme as me where my watch keeps thinking I'm running. And it keeps saying, do you want to record this run? Because I walk so fast. But anyway, walking at a pace that's appropriate for you. You're going to build that up over time and you will reach a point where you think, actually, I could... I could run for a minute. So looking for things that you can do together is really, really important. And then the other thing that I would say is just get on the floor and just be on the floor, lie down on the floor, roll around on the floor, just get on the floor, just sit, even sit down. It still um, surprises me how many people find it difficult to get up and down off of the floor. Mm. And that getting up and down on the, off the floor and being on the floor is actually a, a, a really important sign of health. It's a really, really great thing to do for your hips and your pelvis. It helps to stretch out your pelvic floor. So going back to 
if they had perhaps hypertonicity with the, the too strong pelvic floor, it's going to help to lengthen it out. So those are really simple things. And that that's do. really interesting about getting on the floor because I think that's another narrative that sometimes happens as we get older. Yes. An older person needs a chair. oh my gosh it's so true isn't it i can see that now just in a flashback of family situations where somebody's running off to find a chair from the other room for granny yes wow yes children on the floor Floor. adults have the seats it's like a which obviously is not the case in our world no but i can imagine not but that that's that's a level of politeness i suppose and respect that i was brought up with definitely starting on the bus is what we went on the floor but you know you would give up if an adult didn't matter you gave up your seat you went on your parents lap or you stood because you were the child so therefore you could stand for long but there is a whole narrative around that and some of it i feel is right yes it's respectful and you know it's helpful respect is really really important i agree and i think that that's and we should have a podcast about yeah around that about belief systems in relation to respect and manners and things there's two things i just want to share with you from from what you were just saying two things that i'm doing that fit in with the the advice and tips that you were just giving so number one I've started going swimming with, with the boys. Oh, brilliant! Which is great because that this sounds like I've never been. Of course I have. But we... they Because they did swimming lessons. I was the mum sat... Oh, okay. I'm sat watching. <laughs> so we go swimming now. Because they're older and there's two of them and they'll play together, I now say, I'm going to get in and do... 30 lengths or whatever I want to do. Because I've, I've remembered that I actually love swimming. And used oh, to be, brilliant! Yeah. Um, You're not just doing breaststroke, are you? Okay, good. I like a front crawl as well. That's okay, great. Story, <laughs> I, I first time I went, I did go in and, and think it was 10 years ago. Oh! <laughs> I was really oh, tired. Bless. But no, and then I'll say, I'm going to go and do this. You go play, and they're fine because they're quite good swimmers and stuff. Now. I'll come play with you in the last, really? you know, when I've done this. And they're fine because they know that's what's happening. They want me. They do want me to come and yeah, come and play. Right. Yeah, I will go and do that, and and I feel better for that. I, I haven't just frozen to death. Do you like, know the other bit that's really important is that you created boundaries for them. They know yeah. what's happening. Yeah. They know that it's important that you have this bit, and then you get this bit. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that that sometimes happens is we sort of like sacrifice yeah what we what would be good for us to do yeah. or our need because we somehow feel like we should just put everything, everything into, into them. them yeah because they want me to play therefore I must freeze and not do the bit that I want to do. Yeah. And, and sometimes I won't, you know, because yes. it's fun, isn't it? And, and and they're not going to be that age forever and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But I do feel better for starting to be, That's I'm going to go great. do this. And, and it's been a bit of a revelation. The second thing is a guilty mum confession that sometimes, <laughs> well, it's not, it's not. Sometimes my youngest, particularly if I've not seen him all that much in the day, will say, stay with me while I fall asleep. Aww. So do you know what I do? Pilates on the floor. Yes! 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 <laughs> that is so good! I am so happy. Occasionally, he starts doing it as well from his bed, but I'm like, go to sleep! <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant. Oh my gosh. Great. So a couple it. of revelations there, a couple love of real it. life examples, but there's so much more I could do, for yeah. sure, that I, I, I need to... It's just having that realisation, isn't it? Wait a minute... Not doing all that much for myself at the moment. Oh, How yeah. can I, without it becoming a big deal of mum's going to go and do this now, uh-huh. how can we incorporate it into what we're already I think incorporating doing. things in, stacking things up, is so it makes it so much more manageable to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think we can do an episode about this in the summer in the UK without <laughs> talking about school sports day and for those of us with primary age children it's either upon us or it will really soon be upon us my boys is next week and the most competitive race of the year roll up roll up the parents race or the mum's race or the dad's race however it's done and um i sent you an article didn't i it was on the bbc website about how it is the most dangerous race for parents who've potentially not run for years they hammer the 100 metres or similar 
<laughs> and by the way, I am that parent. And I can imagine. Mentioned. Did yes. I tell you a few years ago? I won. Did you win? I won. I'll tell you my winning story in a minute. <laughs> and sorry, I just need to add to that as well that I just rocked up from work and was in mules. Oh, come <laughs> on. You're so funny. So I want to hear your story, but there's I think there's also two things there. How can we make sure that we feel able to take place? It's not too embarrassing or I can't run or I'll make a show of myself. And secondly, how do we make sure we don't end up in hospital? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I'll tell you my story because it's actually part of the answer to that. When I, when Aaron was at primary school and it must have been reception, I think, they did a an parent obstacle course. Oh no. Okay. So they did, instead of it being, you know, Just a, race. A, a running race, you had to do the obstacles. So I was like, oh, brilliant. I can do this. This is no bother. Obviously, I won. But the point is that an obstacle race is more than about the kids. It's more about them. Oh, my gosh, look at the silliness. Yeah. It's silliness. It's fun. And I know that some people would be totally embarrassed to scramble under yeah. the whatever. Not and, you. Not me. <laughs> because I think that it teaches our children a lot more. There's more value in that experience than there is doing a running race yeah, yeah. and seeing your parent fall and yeah. get injured or whatever. Um, and then I know our school, instead of always doing running, they do the um, egg, egg and spoon. Egg and spoon. Because then again, it's the silliness. Yes, there's still the competitive fun bit. Yeah. It's that piece of it. But it's not making people run and potentially injure themselves. So I, my encouragement would be for schools to actually look at, well, what is this parents race for? Yeah. And actually it's for the children. It's to see their parents get involved yeah. and be silly. And the, if you do egg and spoon or you do sack race or like whatever you call well, it. I don't think they allow that three-legged race anymore. Don't they? No, I don't think the kids even do it. It's too dangerous. <laughs> I'm good at a sack race too. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but those things where, where it's a bit, bit more fun and silly. But if it is going to be, you know, this whatever actually running 100 metres or whatever it might be, then the parents need to be prepared Limbo. at least at least wear your running shoes before you go. Jump on the spot. And it, the other thing to do is instead of sort of um, doing lunges and things like that, do lots of sidestepping movements yes. and, and sort of shuffling on the spot that's going to help set you up for for running and if you think weeks in advance that you're going to do it literally do some running prep and do some pilates so that you can get the mobility that yeah. you need for it so yeah that's what i would say do you know the other thing that i've just thought of about school sports day i think it used to be called the dad's race yes i don't think mums were ever even invited to race and I feel like I have seen that in a children's book as well or something oh about such such took part in the dad's race. The and it was a picture of the dads running in their ties because yeah. they come from work, oh which I think gosh. can be another... Yes, yes, yes. Women, and the women sat and, and watched. And that's what I was saying before, that, that it's not just that we're choosing to go onto the sidelines. We are being encouraged there by biases like that. And yeah. The, oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, it's quite crazy. But I remember times where I've got, I'm, I'm thinking when I had first uh, found out that I had prolapse and it's, you know, it's sports day and I know what our head teacher is going to do. He's going to call people out to come and join <gasps> oh, in no. and shame. So I'm in the position where I'm trying to bail out Shrinking, yeah. before having to, you know, because I don't want to say no either yeah. in front of my children yeah. that I can't do the race this time because I'm not going to make myself worse by running at a moment in time where it's not appropriate yeah. for me but yeah oh my gosh oh, that's shaming <laughs> <laughs> this has been so great and such a helpful reminder that many of the barriers we put in front of ourselves being in the center of mm -hmm. life 
are usually around our mindset and not thinking about the things that we can do. So as always, let's end today's episode with Claire's three pearls of wisdom. If a woman listening to us today and thinking, oh my goodness, this is me. Mm. I've stopped taking part. Mm. What three things would you tell her to do right away to start to step back and back into the centre of her life? Oh, it's so important, isn't it? Really, really important. I would ask, does this give me joy or what gives me joy? And do that thing today. There's a, a great quote it's around the lines of uh, never leave the scene of a decision without taking massive action so if you're listening right now and you're you're as Sophie says you're thinking oh that is me and I'm really not doing these things or any things for myself then make that decision today and take action what brings you joy and go do that or make an arrangement to do that I would say Look for ways that you can integrate or stack it. We talked about that a lot in the episode today. If it's a physical activity that your kids are doing, is there some element of that that you can do? And then I would also say, look for some accountability or a buddy, somebody maybe that you used to do a thing with. So for me, I've set a date, I've changed my um, schedule around a bit so I can get back to stand up paddle boarding because I have a friend that we go with and we've made it happen that we can go together. And if you do it together with a friend, you're so much more likely to follow through and keep up with that. So that's my thing. Oh, for sure. So thank you so much, Claire. I was really hoping to, to learn a lot and come away inspired from this episode. I think I really have. Great. And I hope our listeners have too. Thank you so much for listening. Please let us know what you think of this episode. Like, share, do all the things you know you need to do to help other people find us. And we'd really love you to let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now.